Welcome to another episode of The Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm your host, Taina Seeley, and today we have the immense pleasure of diving into the world of art, dance, and activism with a truly remarkable guest. Hailing from the vibrant cultural tapestry of Brooklyn, New York, Edissa Weeks is a choreographer, educator, and the visionary director of Delirious Dances. Her work is a mesmerizing blend of theater and dance, creating intimate environments that have been celebrated for their striking visual effects and thought-provoking narratives. Hi, Edissa. Welcome to The Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm delighted to be here, Taina. It's such a amazing community that you have created through this podcast series. Thank you. So I wanted to know more about that personal journey, how your unique upbringing spanning Uganda, Papua New Guinea, and Brooklyn, how that has influenced your artistic vision and your approach to dance and storytelling. Oh, there's so much to cover because <laughs> yeah. each of those um, countries and, and different continents are so rich. Um, so my mother is from Uganda, East Africa, and my father is white American, going back to Scotland. And my first memories are in Uganda. Mm. But one of the things that I realize I treasure and has greatly influenced me as an artist is the importance of food. Mm-hmm. And I feel in a lot of my work, uh, food is integrated because I find food can be such a, an amazing way of bringing people together because we all need to eat. Yes. You know? yes. And you don't want people to go hungry. Mm-hmm. And t- to be a good host, you feed people. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if like, all I have is one slice of orange, we're going to like cut up that orange so everybody can have like a piece of it. You know? The influence that my father had in my life is that he wasn't a very emotional person. Wherever he was wonderful in really exposing myself and my siblings to so much art. And so he'd often take us on our these journeys. And one of the things that was amazing being in Papua New Guinea, and especially in the Highlands, was sing-sings. Mm. And there are these big performative events that often would happen across villages and across communities where, again, food was a big part of it, but singing and dance was also a part of it. So instead of fighting each other <laughs> and killing each other, how can we find peace through music and through exchange? And I will never forget seeing the mud men come out mm. of the bushes and, you know, they were covered in like this white mud and then they had these huge masks that covered their faces and they move very silently and mysteriously and it made me realize the importance of ritual in connecting people okay i want to ask you more about this idea of gift giving and ritual can you elaborate more on the creative process for that a lot of it is invested in research And so my work often has this very deep, deep investigation into history. I mean, I love books. I love reading. I love the information. I love documentaries. And so it all becomes source material. I almost think of it as an iceberg, that the audience might just see the little tip. But what informs that tip is this amazing depth of information. So it allows for a a lot of uh, understanding for both myself and the performers of knowing, okay, where are we coming from and why? Like, we're not just creating it to because we want to be fabulous or create something fabulous, but we're creating it 
to also impart an idea, and that idea is rooted in a, a history and a culture. I know that you have a new series of shows that you've been working on called Three Rights. And I wanted to see if you could talk to us about the inspiration behind this work and Mm. what you aim to convey through its intricate storytelling and dance elements. Rewrite started because I became fascinated with why life, liberty, and happiness were included in the Declaration as inalienable rights that we are guaranteed. And, you know, I grew up going, I have life, liberty, and happiness, but then going, ooh, actually, how do you guarantee life? How do you guarantee happiness? And who did they guarantee it for in the 1700s when this document was written? And how do you guarantee it now? Especially when I think of DACA and Black Lives Matter and that we've been continuously at war in the Middle East, you know, just, um, you know, how do we uphold these rights for everyone and not just in theory? Right. So I wanted to do a deep dive into life, liberty and happiness. And so life looks at how we can be better stewards of the world and specifically focusing on our dependence on fossil fuels mm. and then plastic that is made from fossil fuels because mm-hmm. feeling that that is killing us, whether it's through war yes, or through microplastics. Yes. And also environmental warming. How is it connected to that? Mm-hmm. And so as part of the life right, it's a huge installation of plastic waste. <laughs> I've been collecting plastic waste for like four years. Wow! Initially, I was collecting it uh, from my neighbors because I was like, oh, I can get a lot of like plastic on, (laughs) you know, recycling days. But then I was finding way too much about my neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I have to stop that. (laughs) Mm. Because I really wanted the dancers and the audience to be wading through plastic, you know, because wow. I feel often, yeah, we just throw it out, someone takes it away, yes. and we don't think about where it's going. Yes. And we don't think of the people who have to then sort through it. Mm-hmm. And the really horrifying fact that only, I think it's like about 8% of plastic is actually recycled. Right. You know, the majority of it ends up in landfills and ends up in other countries. And again, all the health problems that are connected to it. Absolutely. And there are alternatives. There, We can be making plastic out of mushroom roots or mm-hmm. out of seaweed and algae. I mean, there are tons of alternatives, but we need to have the power and the mindset to advocate for that change. Right. So that right is really about having a radical revolution of values. How do we change yes. what we value? Yes. And as part of that, it's having um, discussions in what we're calling the green room. And so one of the discussions we had was about the Buen Vivir movement. Mm. which actually started in Ecuador, Mm. which is about changing how a country defines its success. So instead of it being based on the gross domestic product, which is connected to corporations, can it instead be based on how many of your citizens are living above the poverty line, have access to healthcare, to housing, to education, to food? Like if your people are happy, that should be what determines Mm -hmm. uh, a nation's success. Mm So that's that's just life. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! We just that's just one of three. That's just one of three. One three. Okay. Yep. All right. So this is a journey. Ooh, I love it. It is. It is. Um, liberty is looking at the pathologizing of African Americans by psychiatry, 
and the foundations of liberty in America. So as part of that right, I've been in the process of making 1,865 roots out of paper and twine. Ah. And the thought is that the audience walks through these roots on their way to meet the Liberty character. And the roots are anywhere from like eight to 30 feet long. And for me, you're going into the underbelly of American history uh, by walking through these roots. The happiness right is about joy. It's really about tapping into self-care. It was really fascinating for me to realize that initially it was supposed to be life, liberty, and property. And property got turned into happiness. And part of it was that back in 1700s, the only people who could vote were people who owned property. And they weren't really interested in everybody voting. It was also that enslaved people were property. And so if you're guaranteeing people to property, were you guaranteeing that they could keep enslaved people in perpetuity? So there are several reasons why it was changed to happiness. Um, Thomas Jefferson, who was one of the main writers, was a big fan of enlightenment. And so the whole idea of happiness as being an aspiration for people. But with a lot of the research I was doing, it was finding out that the pursuit of happiness actually stresses people out. That what makes the average person happy, I mean, there's always exceptions, but what makes the average person happy is having a meal, sitting down and sharing a meal with people, doing what we're doing right now, just uh, talking and shooting the breeze. Uh, Volunteering is a big one. Mm-hmm. where you see that you can make a difference in a situation or another person's life. So I really wanted to create a rite that was about tapping into joy as a form of empowerment and resistance against oppression, and joy as a way of developing the resiliency so that we have the strength to uphold life, liberty, and happiness for all. Listen to the full episode of this podcast at therhythmofrebellion.com. Thanks for listening.